welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Hello, everybody. If you're in the waterline, no worries. Stay in the waterline. Come up once you get it. Um, that's like the most intense video to start with. I feel like I should run from the back and like to be carrying a torch and then just cheering. And yeah, anyway. My name's Chris, and uh, that was a bad joke. The, um, we do, we've been exploring the last several weeks. We've been looking at the windows. We're new to this space since the spring, and uh, these main windows you see along the main portion of the church uh, all have historical figures on them, but each one of them correlates to part of the Beatitudes. And uh, we just finished up with that series this last week. Uh, Jane and Jenna uh, did a great job of closing us in that series last week. We're going to continue with the windows over to this one, which I'm, I think most of you can see. It's tied for the biggest window in the place, and uh, I have some historical information for you from that, too, so we'll continue in that theme. But before we do that, I'd invite you to stand as we read the Bible passage for today, if you are able and willing. And it's Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 16. A little long, but uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 16. Uh, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other and don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think that you know it all. Pray with me. Father God, we thank you for this day. Despite the heat, God, we thank you for this beautiful building. We thank you for this church. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come together and see what you, where you're pulling us towards in your bright future for us all. We pray for your spirit to be with us, and we pray for a great end to this warm season. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Feel free to have a seat. So, some preliminary uh, historical information about our friend John Ireland here. Uh, He of Boulevard fame, it is the same John Ireland as John Ireland Boulevard, which some of you might be familiar with in the St. Paul area. Uh, John Ireland was born September 11th, 1838 in Burnchurch, County Kilkenny, Ireland. And uh, yes, he was born in Ireland. His last name is Ireland. It's not a nickname. As far as I could tell, his name is actually Ireland. It's like if any of us were named Chris or Micah America, or maybe for me more accurately around here, it would be uh, Chris Iowa. But the, uh, he immigrated to the, the United States at the age of 10 with his parents, um, so didn't live in Ireland for long. And before uh, reaching his, uh, receiving his final ordination from the church, uh, for the, from the Catholic Church, he fought for the Union in the Civil War. So go team. But um, when he, after the war ended, he became the first Roman Catholic bishop of St. Paul. Um, and the reason he was first is because, keep in mind, the West Coast wasn't really the thing it is today. Minnesota was a big frontier 
of unknown for a lot of people. And, but because of its place um, in relation to uh, the Mississippi River, in relation to fresh water, and in relation to the mysterious country to the north at the time known as Canada, um, it, it was important. So as they established the church here, uh, John Ireland was leading, leading the charge. He created a lot of religious and educational institutions in, uh, in Minnesota. Uh, one of the primary examples of that is the St. Paul Cathedral. Uh, if you can see the window, um, he's holding it in his arm, football style. And uh, I, my wife and I live in West St. Paul, just right near the Smith Avenue High Bridge. I run across that bridge every morning, and you can always see the cathedral, because even though there are buildings that are taller than the cathedral, um, the cathedral sits on geographically the highest point of the city, and so it's visible from just about anywhere you are. Um, because that wasn't enough, he eventually traveled to um, just slightly farther west as Minneapolis became more of a thing. And he established a very you know, small little place called the Church of St. Mary, which we now know as the Basilica. So even though he is popular for um, having so many ties to the city of St. Paul, he is responsible almost personally with his relationship to the Pope and a lot of influence that he had uh, for the two biggest churches in the Twin Cities. Uh, other fun fact is because of his influence, he was actually personal friends with Teddy Roosevelt and William McKinley, so not bad friends to have. And so today what we're talking about, um, not only John Ireland, we're looking at him, a lens of his life, but the, what we're really looking at is missions. And we've had an introduction to that with uh, Rachel and Leah uh, working at Timber Bay. And it's funny because uh, Jenna mentioned last week in her teaching that if you see a list of things to preach about, if you see one that you're scared of, you will without a doubt get that specific one to preach about. And for me, missions is something that means a lot of different things. And I, I would anticipate that that's not just me, that when you hear missions, some people have one yay raw vision of it, and some people maybe are a little bit, step back a little bit. There, there are some trepidations there. And it was for me too, because when I think of missions, I often think of the past. I think of ships sailing for new worlds and um, clothes like that. And, um, and it was a lot of times they use language like conquering savages and converting uncivilized folks. Uh, and it's all done in the name of the church, but that kind of makes me squirm. And I couldn't help think of the atrocities committed, the violence enacted upon people who don't believe the same things the violence that's endorsed by the church. I'm, I'm thinking specifically of the Crusades, but I'm thinking of a lot of other instances as well, and it's endorsed in the cultures that have been obliterated. I'm looking at, there, there are some, I think, somewhat insensitive depictions of Native Americans on the window when it was built. Is, um, it shows John Ireland speaking to Native peoples, and when I see that, I think of the cultures that were just destroyed by the actions of people, and not even just because of their beliefs, but just because their cultures were different. They were different, and therefore they were scary, and therefore they were wrong. And it was all done in the name of missions. And I can't help then shifting from the past, I can't help but think of people alienated by the church and told that they weren't welcome unless they looked or sound like the rest of us. And if you can't tell, I'm not just talking about this time anymore, because for us, a lot of times, it's about culture, too. 
If somebody doesn't look like us or sound like us, it's scary. It threatens the bigness sometimes of what we think of God's kingdom. Not only, you know, in a general context, but in my own personal context, I think of a friend in, in a high school got, uh, got kind of, for lack of a better term, jumped in a parking lot by someone saying, well, you know you're going to hell when you die. And this person is doing this, she was told, this person who confronted her is doing it in the name of missions is the word she used. Uh, when I was in high school, um, that my drama department put on a play called The Laramie Project. Any of you are familiar with that? Um, it is a telling of the story of Matthew Shepard, who was, an, uh, because of his sexual orientation, uh, was beaten and murdered uh, outside a small town. And rightfully so, the, the, it's, it's a very somber, uh, memorializing play that talks about the atrocities of violence committed. Um, in my mind, not controversial in the least, but there was, a, there was a lovely gentleman by the name of Fred Phelps who did not agree with us, and uh, he and the Westboro Baptist Church visited my high school. I had never encountered such an individual, but he, th- <laughs> while I was on the way to social studies in ninth grade, there he was. And uh, he, he um, was there with the, just the most hateful words written on on boards, and he also picketed all of our churches in the West Des Moines area. Um, he, he picketed the, uh, the Catholic churches, he picketed the Baptist churches, and then I, I attended a very, very large ELCA church, uh, one of the biggest in the area, and the, the reason I mention that is because we had a big old target on us, and the, um, a lot of the people in our community, a lot of the people in the play were in, or attended this church, and so he picketed our uh, our services in the morning. Uh, my my pastor actually brought him out breakfast, but he, he and then he wrote letters to all of our churches, specifically tailored to each of us because he didn't have anything better to do, and um, listed all of why we are all going to hell. And at the end of all of those letters, he let us know the reason he was doing all of this was in the name of what he said, missions. And so. You, you can see for me personally when somebody says, Kristen, you preach about missions, a lot of people would use this as, as a time to kind of give a good old win one for Jesus speech and, and get out there and share the gospel, which is a wonderful, holy, loving thing to do and has its place. But I, there are too many things in my past that I look at and that I think other people have experienced here too. I can't help but think of how the focus so often seems to point to the bigness of, the, of these things that we build. So often it's, look at, the, look at our numbers, look at what we've done, we've gone out, we've, we've, won, we've won this culture war, we've won this fight. Um, the, a lot of these churches that go and pick up things, they're very adamant about their numbers, they build their big places, they point to their famous friends, they're able to do all of these different things um, and say, look, it's all for the good of the kingdom. You look at the people who have sailed in the old days, the conquistadors sailing from, from Europe to North, Middle, and South America and to the Far East with terrible violence, and it's, all of it has been in the name of missions, so... For me, 
I don't want to ignore that. And I feel called in my own way to really kind of explore that because what it all does is beg the question, what are we talking about when we talk about missions? And I invite you today to consider a definition of missions as an incarnation of the gospel. Jesus was an incarnation of the, of the word of God, as said in John 1, if you're familiar with that. And I invite you to consider that in our attempt to follow this Jesus that we talk so much about, we're attempting to embody the gospel message, not only to multiply ourselves as believers, but express the fullness of the love and acceptance of Jesus in the way that we live. The reason I picked this Romans text today is because it's, it's so seemingly devoid of culture. It, it almost shocked me because it, there, with, with a lot of the Bible, you look back and you say there's so much cultural differences that we need to sift through that we've lost throughout history, but here we are reading a, reading a passage that says, don't just pretend to love other people, really love them. That cuts right to where we're at at this time. It's my favorite, my favorite portion of the long, uh, admittedly long section that I chose for today was rejoice in our confident hope. Rejoice in our confident hope and don't, at the end it says don't pretend that you know it all. If you have somebody that comes and tells you that they know everything, it's a good opportunity to kind of head the other direction. Because I think that's what we need to consider for what we talk about when we talk about missions. We're really, the, the goal is to meet people where they are because we don't know their circumstance. So often, and if they come from a different place, we don't, we don't know what to do with it. But the gospel is telling us in Romans, and if we're to tr- truly live that out, we're not pretending to love people so they say magic words. We're not loving people just so they can eventually look and sound just like us, sing the same songs that we do, but we're doing it because we really love them. And it would be really easy for me then, as a young, naive Protestant, to look at the power and privilege of something of a church, specifically like the Catholic Church, and all of its accomplishments and all the things that I've said so far, and to run the other direction of it and say, you know, rebelling all against it and all that it stands for, and, but that would be disingenuous. Uh, Jenna and Jane gave a wonderfully mature message last week when we were talking about persecution. The question that Jenna asked was, when it comes to persecution in the United States, does the United States count? Does the persecution of Christians in the United States count? In, in the midst of the atrocities happening in, happening in the Middle East and China and all of these other countries where Christians are persecuted. And my now 24-year-old young seminary know-everything message is, well, of course not. My family is not murdered in front of me. I get to come here. I drive here in my nice car. I get to come in here and freely, with literally all of the doors open, talk about the gospel of Jesus, and I get to come and do that without fear of my wife being murdered in front of me at our home. So, of course it doesn't count. Are you kidding me? And then Jenna shares her own story and of how she was um, an instance of bullying um, in her young, formative teenage years. And it, it really got me because Jenna gave a message that I couldn't have given it was, 
does this count or does this count? And her answer is yes. Any persecution, any affliction, and any struggle, it counts. And with that both and message, it really got to me as I kind of started to get on my high horse for this message and saying, well, it's not those guys that are conquering all these people and they're all about their numbers and they're all, they, they don't get our community idea. It's both and. It's both a glorious kingdom built for God. I mean, look at this church. This was a testament to God. But at the same time, we are also a testament to God in our genuine ambition here in this church to love people where they're at. And you see, the reason John Ireland is remembered, it isn't because of the splendor of what he built. He built some great churches. If you've ever been to the Basilica or the Cathedral in St. Paul, you know there's a presence of God in that building. But the reason he's remembered is because who he was and what he stood for. You see, John Ireland represented a progressive stance on education, immigration, and the relations between church and state, things that we don't deal with at all today. And one of his primary passions was promoting the Americanization of Catholicism, uh, especially the furtherance of social ideas. What he realized was in this frontier of this new world that the religious people weren't talking to the, to the, the people who weren't religious. They weren't reaching out because they, didn't, they couldn't really connect. Their cultures were completely divided, so there was no sort of communication between them. And so he said, listen, our faith applies. So that's what I mean when I say the Americanization of Catholicism. He wanted to meet people where they were at. He also opposed racial inequality, and we're talking about the 1800s. We're still struggling. And this is a man in the 1800s who is opposing racial inequality, and he called for, quote, equal rights and equal privileges, political, civil, and social. So the reason he was able to make this impact that he'd made and make prolific friends that he made and accomplish the things that he did was because what he saw was the need for connection. While many people in these, those church, and I would, I would say that we see a lot of the same things in our lives, while a lot of people in the church are living separate lives from everyone else in this strange and weird world that we live in, both then and now, John Ireland saw that living a gospel-incarnated life could translate to this new world. It could translate to anybody because Jesus was for everybody. Therefore, so are we. Uh, we what we've been doing this last couple weeks are uh, a moment of quiet contemplation. And um, I'll invite the band back up, but as, as I do that, I invite you to think of a couple of questions. We'll have them on the screen. And one of them is, um, it's, if missions is truly about outreach, because I would never say that it's not, if, admission, if missions is truly about outreach, what does it look like us, look for us, meh, what does it look like for us to meet those around us where they're at with the love of God? Despite of how confusing that sentence is, what I'm, what I'm encouraging you to do is go beyond what can awaken do and think in my own life, 
if I take away what I think of missions, if I take away the stereotypes of the things that I've been told, where in my life does it look like to love somebody? Just love someone where they're at. What does that look like for me? If you could, please pray with me. Father God, we thank you for being a God that is with us in the places where we are. Thank you for being a God that sees us, that calls us out, and calls us into a bigger, brighter future. I pray, God, as we explore what that looks like in our lives, that your spirit would be with us, and that we would be always moving towards you, seeing all the good that you have for us. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Friends, my prayer for you today is that you take to the world. My name is Leah Freichels. Um, I work for Timber Bay with Rachel, and I'm on the tech team, have an awesome team. Um, I was at the planning meeting two weeks ago, and we were talking about this Sunday, and Chris said that he didn't feel like he was I don't know, qualified, is that maybe the word, to talk about missions. And that got me thinking, which is why I'm standing here now, on my own journey. And um, even though you work in a missions organization or because you're a pastor, doesn't mean that you're the only one who needs to do missions. And if I've learned anything in my ministry at Timber Bay, it's that the little opportunities that we have to be incarnational means so much more than anything else. An example that came to mind that was actually two days after we had that planning meeting, I was in the car feeling kind of guilty with two of my middle school kids because my time with them was spent cleaning, doing some, getting ready for fall. Spent four hours cleaning and not like just chit-chat and catching up from the summer, but then we were driving in the car home. It was kind of quiet and um, my little middle school girl is sitting next to me and she looks over and she's kind of thinking, I can tell. And she says, did you know that if someone kills someone and goes to jail and they find Jesus in jail, that Jesus still loves them? And it was this brief, sudden moment about talking about grace. And I didn't do anything. There was just an opportunity. And I think that there's a lot of people in this world who want to talk about grace, who want to see love. And so that's my encouragement to you. We're going to sing a song over you as we go out today that Awaken actually sang a few years back. And it's become my own mission statement of my life. And it's my prayer that it would be for you this week and maybe this year or for the rest of your life. Um, So we'll be the prayer team off to the side. Feel free to mingle and talk as we sing this over you. Um, I can stand and I'm going to just pray a benediction over you. To him who can do more than we can imagine, be the power and the glory and the honor forever and ever. Go in peace, my friends, and rejoice in our confident hope, as Chris says. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Awaken Community. See you next time.